This is one of my favorite songs, church. It's a hymn, and it's entitled, Through the Blood. The only view God has of me is through the blood of Jesus.
Am I on? Am I on? Okay. All right. Thank you. Let the church say amen again. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Ah, I don't know about you. But when I think of the alternatives, when I think about where I could be, when I think about the fact that I could be lying on my cooling board, I'm thankful to be in the house of God. Ah, thank you for those selections. You know, I, I had thought about singing a little bit, but after that, I'll leave, I'll leave that alone. I'll leave that alone. I am truly honored to be in the presence and in the house of such a elderly statesman as Dr. Rock. I truly debated about calling him. I wanted to to contact him and I waited until last night because I kind of knew I would be standing here. <laughs> it was not my intent. I did not. Uh, I, when you preach 52 weeks out of the year, you're not looking to speak when you go other places. But I'm so thankful that the Spirit does grab you. And I was packing and the Spirit said, you better grab that right there. And bring that with you. So I uh, did that. I did that. I am also thankful again for Sister Denise Daniel, who is here. Uh, met her on the plane. Lovely, uh, lovely lady. Loves God. And as we were talking, we knew it was providential for her to meet us. And I told her that there was a house a prayer house of refuge that she can come to and that you will embrace her because I want to make sure today that all of you have opportunity to, to know her and, and she's seeking for a deeper relationship with God and I'm thankful that she is able to be here I want to say to Sister Rock also who is uh, the boss lady we know that and, uh, you know, so we, we're thankful for her hospitality also. And Sister Washington, Sister, <laughs> Sister Washington, I, I want you to know, uh, Elder Rock called me and I saw a 702 area code. I said, man, who is that? I started not to answer because, you know, the police could be looking for me or something. <laughs> so I started not to answer. But I answered the phone and it was Elder Rock and he was saying, he said, uh, you had uh, Sister Eula uh, as your principal and I want to get a reference. I said, well, she comes with the highest recommendation. And let me tell you why. Our school was, was kind of in a stalemate. We had about, I think, 30 students, something like that. And... She came in, and, and I asked her, and I had to beg her, I really did, because she wanted to be pretty much retired, but, you know, when God lays his hand on you, you have to come on through. So I persisted, and she came in, and our school got up to 80, and now I understand they're right at 100 students. But the thing that she brought that was more valuable than her expertise in teaching and administration was this is a praying woman. And she brought, she brought prayer. She brought Jesus to the building. And as we sing the song, you know, with Jesus in the building, happy, happy. And I want you to know that she is going to do a great job here. And I'm happy that she's here too. Uh, during the inaugural stages of your school and getting things off for you. Today, uh, I'm going to share a word with you on the uh, entitled, When Jesus Needed Somebody. When Jesus Needed Somebody. 
Shall we pray? Father God, we're truly thankful and we're humble to stand between heaven and earth. For we know that we are nothing. You are the giver of all good things. And so today we ask that as you are faithful, that that which we are in need of, you will afford us to receive today. We pray today, Father God, that every heart will be filled. Every burden will be lifted. Every prayer would be answered. And may jubilation fall from our lips. And may we accept your words today. And be ready to commit ourselves anew or for the first time to doing your will. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. When Jesus needed somebody. There are many who would say that Jesus never needed anybody. For they asked the question as it is recorded in the Bible. How could one when he and his disciples were on a ship. And the Bible says that a storm came about and it began to toss the ship to and fro. And the disciples trying to save themselves to no avail found themselves afraid and about to die they thought. And they called out to Jesus and Jesus cool, calm and collected got up. Looked at them and said, O ye of little faith, and turned to the winds and the waves and said, Be quiet. And the Bible says that they obeyed. How could somebody who could command the winds and the waves need somebody? Someone else asked the question, How could Jesus need somebody? For they recount. A story when a centurion soldier walked up to Jesus and said, my daughter is sick far away. And Jesus was about to go with her. And then the centurion said, no, uh, I, I know you. I know the kind of man you are. All you have to do is just speak the word. And I know that my daughter will be healed. And the Bible says Jesus marveled because he had never seen that kind of faith. And the Bible says when he spoke that his daughter was healed, that in that instant she was healed. How could somebody who could perform a miracle like that need somebody? Someone else said that when Jesus one day out in the space decided, he said, you know what? I'm lonely. I think I'll make me a world. And the Bible records that when he called for light, light showed up. When he called for every living thing, it came forth. They asked the question, how could somebody who could create a world just by the mention of those things need somebody? But the Bible lets us know, know in Luke, if you turn with me in your Bibles, Luke, the 23rd chapter and verse 26. The Bible gives us the instance that we will use today of when Jesus needed somebody. Luke, chapter 23 and verse 26. Luke, chapter 23. And verse 26. If you have it, say amen. amen. The Bible says, Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming in from the country. Have mercy. I thought somebody would have said amen right there. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. To give us a clearer picture, Mrs. White says this in the book, Desire of Ages. The crowd that followed the Savior saw his weak and staggering steps, but they manifested no compassion. 
They taunted and reviled him because he could not carry the heavy cross. Again, the burden was laid upon him, and again he fell fainting to the ground. His persecutors saw that it was impossible for him to carry his burden farther. They were puzzled to find anyone who would carry the humiliating load. The Jews themselves could not do this because the defilement would prevent them from keeping the Passover. None even of the mob that followed him would stoop, she said, to bear the cross. At this time, a stranger, Simon, a Cyrenian, coming in from the country. See, there it is again. I thought y'all would say amen. You see, it's something about country folk. I know Las Vegas is not in the country, but uh, uh, let me just pause here a minute. There's something about country folk. See, y'all might have come, you, your grandmama or your great-grandmama might have been from South Carolina or, or, or Georgia or Alabama, might have been country folk. But I know y'all citified now. See, country folk, when you see them, you go by their house. Uh, sometimes I was driving by and, and they be sitting on the porch and, and they say, hey, how you doing? And you looking like, I don't know them, but they mighty friendly. They be like, you want, you, you, you looking for somewhere? You, you, you want something to drink? And I'm, I'll be like, man, these folk are mighty nice. They don't even know me. That's how country folk treat you. Ah, but we become citified now. There was a time in the Adventist church you can go in and you can find some country folk in the Adventist church. But you'll starve to death now if you go up in here. I'm trying to tell you. I went to one church. I, I went to one. Uh, oh, oh, Lord, I got a witness right there. I went to one church, and I'm standing up there. Everybody knew, yeah, this is Pastor so-and-so. I'm standing up there, you know, I'm visiting. And so, and I'm just standing, you know, waiting for somebody, some country folk to come by. And, and, and I'm just standing, and I just kept standing and kept standing until everybody left. I said, well, ain't no country folk up in here. Then, so. But Simon coming in from the country, you know, hopefully there's a few country folk in Las Vegas. Don't mind inviting you home. Come on. <laughs> ah, have mercy. Pastor O'Banner, your country, right? Hallelujah. Glory. I knew him in school. All right. Yeah, he got a little country. He's citified, but he got a little country in it. It says he hears the towns and robbery of the crowd. He hears the word contemptuously repeated. Make way for the king of the Jews. He stops in astonishment at the scene. And as he expresses his compassion, they seize him and place the cross upon his shoulders. He was bleeding, tired and weak, and trying to carry a 300-pound death machine. He fell three times. Jesus needed somebody. He needed somebody to pick up the cross and follow him up Golgotha's hill. None of the good Adventists would do it. Because they had to get ready for the Sabbath services. None of the heathens would do it because they had no regard for this man called Jesus. But scholar says that as Abinadar, who was captain of the Roman army, looked around, he saw this man with brown skin, with protruding triceps and biceps, and knew that he was neither Roman or Jew. And he said, hey, you, get over here and pick up this cross. What we want to talk about is what Simon had to do. When Jesus needed somebody. First, Simon had to give up his own business when Jesus needed somebody. It was understood from the Bible that Simon was on his way to Jerusalem to sell his wares. All of the wood around Jerusalem had been exhausted, so Simon was going to sell wood. This was his business. 
This was, as Webster would say, his work, his occupation. This was his rightful concern, his affair. But you see, when Jesus needs somebody, you got to give up your business, have mercy. You got to give up your business and be about his business. Oh, man, Elder, I won't be coming back. I know that already. You got to give up your business and be about his business. I understand that we spend years and years preparing to be a doctor, a lawyer, or Indian chief. And, and when Jesus comes along and we want to we wanna celebrate the fact that I'm Dr. So-and-so or I'm so-and-so and, and I got this big house and I got this big practice. I got this education. But when Jesus needs you, You got to give up your business and be about his business. And you know what surprises me? We proud about not getting into nobody else's business. Folks said, yeah, I go to church, but I tend to my business. I don't deal with nobody else's business. But guess what? It's your business that gets in the way of you coming to prayer meeting. Let me, let me step on this side because these folk over here look like they're kind of nicer. It's your business that gets in the way of you seeing the problem as the elder was talking about that brothers and sisters you see that's why folk don't want to come to you because you don't have this air that invites them to come to you when they got problems because you dealing with your business I'm not talking about you I'm talking about West Palm come on where I, where I work. It's our business that gets in the way of us coming to church services. It's our business that gets in the way of community service. When you're talking about going out, knocking on doors, everybody start doing, putting their head down, trying to read the scriptures. Who going out today? I'm not talking about you. Come on now. But we're proud and think that when we take care of our business, that we're doing God a favor. But when Jesus needs you, you got to give up your business and be about his business. I remember I was at a church and you know, when we come to church, we put on airs. We come with our best on, and we come, and, and, and folks say, Happy Sabbath. And so folks say back to you, Happy Sabbath. And then you say, How are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed of the Lord. But see, I found out I've been a chaplain for about five years at University of Florida Hospital. And, and, and it, it, it finally dawned on me that people just give automatic responses. Because I was walking down the hallway and this gentleman had this halo, you know, which signified that his neck was broken. And he's walking down the hallway and I was walking past. I said, how you doing, sir? He said, oh, I'm doing good. <laughs> I had to turn my... But people give automatic responses. You see, you have to ask the third and the fourth question. You have to be willing to go to their houses. There was a member who passed in one of my churches. And we never had the opportunity to go in private. You see at church on Sabbath, dress, you know, to kill in her finery. 
finally got the opportunity after she passed to go to her house and her best friend had the key but had never gone in because she was kind of a private person. Went in her house, the lady was sleeping on a mattress on the floor. Very little furniture, no food, and was in the house almost a week and a half before somebody knew she was dead. Taking care of our own business. Taking care of our own business. You see, we, we, we kind of got it twisted. Lying is not business. Lying is gossip. Backbiting is gossip. Being my brother's keeper is business. Taking care of the needs of the elderly and the widows, that's business. And the Bible says that when Simon found himself there commanded by Abinadar to pick up this cross, he had to stop what he was doing, what his agenda called for. And he had to turn and be about God's business. Volume 2 of the testimony, page 654. Ms. White says this, some fearing that they will suffer loss of earthly treasure, neglect prayer, and the assembling of themselves together for the worship of God, that they may have more time to devote to their business. They show by their works which world they place the highest estimate upon. They sacrifice religious privileges which are essential to their spiritual advancement for the things of this life and fail to obtain a knowledge of the divine will. When God needs somebody, we got to say like Christ, I'm about my father's business. Secondly, when Jesus needed somebody, Simon not only had to give up his own business, but he had to change his direction when Jesus needed somebody. Simon was headed toward Las Vegas. Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> he was headed toward Jerusalem. He was headed toward that mighty metropolis of its day. Simon could surely find anything he wanted to find. Men, women, dance, song, all kinds of ungodly pleasures that would please the unaverage man. Kind of sound like Vegas, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Have mercy. Jerusalem was a place of, of gold and myrrh. It was a place where people from all over the world came to live and to see and to trade. It was a place of majestic buildings and the temple that Solomon had built was in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a place where every boy and girl wanted to one day, you know what? I'm going to Jerusalem when I grow up. But see, when Jesus needed somebody, Simon had to change his direction and head toward a hill called Calvary. For you see, the word direction means the act of management, supervision, Plans for achieving certain efforts. You see, we all got plans. We all got desires. We all got wants. But how many of us have checked with God to see if he is in agreement with the direction that we're headed? whole lot of folk wish they had checked with God before they got married. Hallelujah, that sister right there. Oh, she said, oh. She said, Woo, I know what you're talking about over there. But we have to change directions when Jesus needs somebody. When God calls you, you gotta give up the direction in which you're heading, and you gotta head to the direction that God ordains for you. Anybody know what slop is? Everybody know what slop? Y'all willing to admit it? Hold your hand up. How many know what slop is? All right. 
How many know what good-looking slop is? Anybody know what good-looking slop is? Have mercy. When I was, when I was 16, I went to spend the summer with my grandfather, my cousin, and I. We're, we're both the same age. I just saw him not too long ago. And uh, <clears throat> my grandfather raised hogs. He wasn't Adventist. So he raised hogs. Had about, I think about 100 hogs or something. So he would raise them and sell them and everything. And so we went to stay with him for the summer. And he was also a custodian. So we had to work during the day. Uh, cleaning up the school where he worked at, you know, getting ready for the next school year. But also after that, we had to go and gather slop for the hogs. Talking about direction you're headed in now. So we would be out playing basketball after work and everything, and he would drive around. We'd see him come around. His house was kind of in the middle, and he would have had a circle where he'd drive around to the hog pen, and he would pick up the big barrels, 50-gallon, uh, 100-gallon barrels, 75-gallon, I think, barrels, and put them on the back of the truck. And then he would pull around where we are, blow the horn. All right, time to go get slop. We'd be like, man, this is killing our image. <laughs> so, we, so, we, so we get in, the, you know, most of the time, we, we wanted to ride inside the truck because we didn't want nobody to see us, you know. <laughs> You know, with all these barrels on the back. And we would go to these different places, go to supermarkets, and we would get all the rotten vegetables and fruits and all of that stuff, and we would dump it in the barrel. Then we'd go to restaurants that he had already lined out, and all the rotten chicken and all the leftover stuff, we'd take it and dump it in the barrels. And by the time we got back to uh, the house, he would take a water hose and put it in. A, I don't know. Maybe the hogs like soup more than they like, you know. <laughs> take water hose and, and put water in it and stuff. Then we had to take it and dump it over in, into the trough and stuff. And them hogs be kicking. Ah, get out of my way. That's some good eating. Be like, man. And we would do that at least three times a week. But this particular day, talking about direction you're headed in now. You got to give up your direction. This particular day, grandfather rolled around about the same time. We were out there playing basketball again. And so I'm saying, man, here we go. Got to go get some slop. So he rolled around to the hog pen and he stopped for a minute. But he didn't stay there that long. Pulled on around, but he didn't have the barrels on the back of the truck. He blew the horn. Bum, bum. All right, let's go get some slop. I said, uh, Pop, you didn't get the barrels. He, we don't need them today. I said, oh. I looked at my cousin like, man. So we got in the truck, and normally he lives in, uh, in North Carolina between Randomon and Greensboro. Normally he, we would go to Randomon to get the, the regular slot. But this day he turned toward Greensboro. And I looked at my cousin, I said, man, what, what's going on? What popped on? So he pulls up, and we ride for a while, and then finally we got close to Greensboro and all of a sudden there was an aroma, sweet aroma in the air and it was fresh break, baked bread. I was like, man, I'm hungry. Boy, that smells good. <laughs> and as we kept riding, we got closer and the aroma got stronger until finally we pulled up to the back of this building and I looked on the sign and said, Marita Bakery. I said, Pop, we can slop at the bakery. He didn't say anything, got out of the truck, knocked on the door, went in, and we were sitting there, my cousin, I said, man, we, we finna pick up some slop at the bakery. <laughs> and so he came out and had about four trays, and he had a tray of honey bun, a tray of uh, uh, those uh, cupcakes, <laughs> yeah, I remember, had, had, <laughs> had a tray of those fruit pies, and dumped all of those on the truck, and I jumped back. <laughs> he said, Come on, let's get this slop. Man, we jumped off so quick, walked in, and start throwing all of those things on the truck. Just piled them up on the truck. Truck piled this high. And Pop said, y'all going to ride in the front like y'all normally? Uh, no, Pop, we going on in the back of the truck today. You're going to be on the back. You're on the back. Yeah, we, 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 we're going to ride on the back. So we kind of dug our way down up in there, pushed a few, you know, things out of the way. We standing back there. 
<laughs> Lord have mercy. Talking about direction now. You got to give up your direction. So we standing back there and the truck pop, pulls off. And my cousin looked at me. I looked at him. He looked at me. I said, man, that's slop. He said, yeah. He said, you think it's good? I said, oh, no. I said, you try it. He said, no, you try it. I said, no, you try it. So then we did that rock, paper stuff, you know, and I lost. But I wasn't mad. So, you know, at, at that time, I was a, a honey bun connoisseur, love honey bun. So I reached down and grabbed one of those honey buns, and, and I had to use the senses on it, you know. So I took it, and, and, and I looked at it thoroughly, put the eager eye on it, turned it over slowly. Ah, checking it out to see if there were any foreign debris or anything on it. The eyesight said it looks good. So then I took it. And, and, you know, a, a real honey bun, you can, you can take it. And I took these two fingers. You, you got to press down on it. And if you press, come on, so you know what I'm talking about, okay. You press down on it a little bit. And, and if it just rises just a little bit but leaves that indent, good God Almighty, right there. And, and it came back up. And he just standing, my cousin standing looking. And, and then I said, he, uh, uh, he said, what, what you going to do now? I said, well, let, let me open it up. And I opened it. And, and, and I kind of slid it up gingerly. You know, you got, got to be very careful with it. And I pushed it up out of the cellophane. And, and the sense of smell said, well, okay, time for us to check it. And I pulled it up to my nose and I, and I, and I heard music, angelic music. Ah. Well, I couldn't hear it. So there was only one left. So, so I took it in and I put it up to my mouth and he's like this here. Because he's just waiting for the sign. I, I, and I put it in my mouth and I took a big bite. Ow. He said, is it good? I said, yeah. That brother dove in. And we ate. And ate until we wanted no more. And all the while, my grandfather's driving. He's driving. He's driving. And then after we had finished eating, about 10 minutes from the house, it started to dawn on me. I said, hold up. This is slop. <laughs> and, and the road that my grandfather lives on, once he turns off the highway, the hog pen was on the left. The house was on the right. So finally, we got down to the road, and he's going down the road, and I'm saying, Grandfather, turn right. We need to take this in the house. Because if he turns left, it's slop. Come on now. If he turns right, it's food. We riding down the road. And I wish I could say to you that he turned to the right. But unfortunately, he turned left. Ah, but I'm so thankful, like Jesus. I gathered up a lot of those fruit pies and gathered up some honey buns and cupcakes. And I grabbed them and I threw them while he was riding to the hall pen off the truck. And I began to quote the words of Jesus. <laughs> Why stand ye gazing? I will return again to receive you unto myself but what am I saying to you what am I saying to you that some of us are nothing but good looking slop oh we come to church all dressed up looking good and using the King James English and smelling good but what direction are you headed in what Direction are you headed in? Some of us will be nothing but good looking slop because of the direction in which we're headed. Simon was headed in the direction where he was the manager, the supervisor, the planner of his destiny. But Jesus, 
who needed somebody was headed in a different direction. Simon was headed to Jerusalem, but Jesus was headed to Calvary. Simon was headed to death and destruction, but Jesus was headed to life and life more abundantly. Simon was headed to pain and sorrow, but Jesus was headed to love and happiness. Simon was headed to loneliness and disappointment, but Jesus was headed to peace in the valley. Simon was headed to darkness, but Jesus was headed to the bright and morning star. Simon was headed to Jerusalem, but Jesus was headed to Calvary. Sometimes we forget that the road to glory leads through the crack houses. It leads through the ghetto. It leads through the projects. Ah, that's where he got me, at the projects. And we think sometimes that when Jesus calls for us to go out into the highways and the byways, oh, not me, because that's headed in the wrong direction. But let me tell you something. And if it wasn't for God, where would we be? And then finally, first Simon had to give up his own business. Secondly, he had to change his direction. Finally, when Jesus needed somebody, Simon had to pick up the cross and follow him up Golgotha's hill. Scholars have said that as Simon moved his way to the front, Abinadar saw him and told him, come over here and pick up this cross. Simon was upset because he had allowed his curiosity to cause him to come to the front and find himself in this predicament. But I submit to you today that it was not curiosity that brought Simon to the front, but providence. Because Bible writers say that Simon was not a disciple of Jesus. He he had heard about Jesus. He'd heard about a man who was opening the eyes of the blind. He heard about a man who made the dumb and the lame to walk and talk. He heard about a man who had raised the dead. He heard about a man who had cast out demons. Just like us, many of us have heard about him, but don't know him for ourselves. So it was not curiosity that brought Simon forth. It was providence. Simon comes and he's commanded to pick up that cross. Simon is upset at first. Man, I should have minded my own business. But then he turns and looks again in the eyes of Jesus. Bible scholars said that as he looked into the eyes of Jesus, compassion filled his heart again. Simon reached down and he grabbed that cross and as he grabbed it, it was covered with Jesus' blood and the blood got on his fingers. Simon grabbed that cross like it was a twig, 300 pounds and poured it close to his chest and and the blood got all over him. By the time Simon got to the top of Golgotha's hill. He was covered with Jesus' blood. I don't know what type blood it was. Maybe it was type A for Alpha. For when Simon picked up that cross, he started a new life. Maybe it was type B for born again. Maybe it was type O for Omega because he was ending one life and starting a new one. I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is that the blood will never lose its power. Anytime you find yourself weary and worn, torn and battered, all you got to do is say, under the blood. Jesus dipped me under the blood. I said, well, 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 what is it about the blood? What what is it? Then I went to the Encyclopedia Britannica. Britannica said blood 
is the vehicle that carries oxygen to the vertebrae, to all the vital organs. And while it drops off oxygen, it picks up the bad stuff, carbon dioxide, and pushes it out of the body. Every time you breathe in and then breathe out, good things are coming, uh, going in, bad things are coming out. It's the blood that carries it to the vital parts, to your heart, to your organs. I said, have mercy. So when Simon picked up that cross and was covered with Jesus' blood, the blood began to take selfishness and hate and envy, all of those things outside of Simon's heart, outside of the veins of his vertebrae, picked up love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and Simon, by the time he got to the top of that cross, was a new creature because of the blood. You see, songwriter says, must Jesus bear the cross alone? And all of us go free. There's a cross for everyone. There's a cross for me. Little Tommy, and I'm closing. Little Tommy used to love to go camping with his dad. So he'd ask dad on Sunday, dad, can we go camping this weekend? Dad said, well, I don't know what the week going to look like, but if everything's, you know, goes well, not too hectic, okay. Got down to Friday. Dad comes home from work kind of early, 2 o'clock. So Tommy said, Dad, must have been a good week. Dad said, well, it wasn't bad. Well, can we go camping? Please, please, please. Those little bitty eyes, please. Dad said, all right. Go pack your stuff. So they pack up. They didn't have too far to travel to get to the campsite. So dad said, well, all right, let's, let's set up the campsite and get everything together. Tom said, no, dad, please, please. Before we do that, I love when we go out in the woods and you just, uh, uh, just tell me the different trees and the different animals. And can, can we just take a little while, then we'll come back and, and, and get everything set up. Please, please. Dad said, all right, well, let me, let me grab one or two things. And so he grabbed a couple items and they began to walk out in the woods. Dad said, oh, that's a fir tree. That's a squirrel. Different animals, naming stuff. And they had gone out about almost an hour. Then Dad stopped. Started looking around. Tom said, Dad, what's, what's the problem? He said, well, in all the excitement and explaining everything to you, I forgot to mark the trail. He said, so we're lost? He said, yeah, we're lost. What, what, Dad, what are we going to do? So Dad looked around and saw a big boulder. He said, well, come on, let's go over here. Walked over to the boulder. And he had a lantern that he had picked up. And he said, now I'm going to light this lamp. And what I need you to do, Tommy, I need you to stand on top of this boulder. And I need you to hold up the light. I'm going to go and see if I can find some help. But it's essential that you hold up that light so that I can find you when I get the ranger. Can you do it? Yes, Dad, I'm going to do it. So Dad took off going to find his way out to find some help, find the ranger. About 10, 15 minutes had passed. Tommy heard some rustling in the bushes. Hey, hey, who's out there? Hey, hey. And a man walked out. Oh, son, uh, don't be afraid. It's not a bear or anything. It's just me, just me. He said, I was out here exploring, got lost, saw your light, decided to come over. Tommy said, well, come on over. My dad went to get the ranger. He's coming back. Told me to hold up the light. 
he's coming back. So the man came over and they started talking about another seven minutes past and there was more rustling. Thomas said, hey, who's out there? And there were three little girls with uh, a den mother and they were the little girls kind of crying and, and they said, oh, we lost. We got separated from the troop, but we, we saw your light and, and, and we decided to follow the light. So, so Thomas said, come on over. My dad went to get the ranger. He's coming back. After a while, there were at least 15 people who had seen Thomas standing on top of that boulder. You better come on here. Holding up the light. Lost. Waiting on the ranger. After about two, three hours had passed, some of the little girls were restless and hungry. Oh, we're hungry. We're tired. When, when your dad coming back? And, and, and like it is most time, one of them, person in there said he probably got eaten up by a bear or something he ain't coming back Thomas said he is coming back he told me he was coming back told me just hold up the light and he's coming back with the ranger another hour passed been out there now about five hours and everybody was getting wrestling Thomas arm was getting a little weary Thomas said will somebody help me hold up the light we ain't holding up no light. Your dad probably won't come back. It's been about five hours. He's not coming. Thomas said, I don't care what you say. Thomas simply switched hands and said, I'm going to hold it until he comes. Tommy held that light up and all of a sudden, Everybody was talking and stuff, and he hears a faint voice. Tommy, Tommy said, please, be quiet. Tommy, Dad, is that you? Yes, Tommy, it's me. I got the ranger. I see the light. I'm on my way. Tommy said, I told you he was coming back. I told you he was coming back. Oh, what am I saying to you today? Jesus says I'm coming back. But I need somebody in Las Vegas to hold up the light. I need somebody who's willing to come and hold up the light. Who's willing to give up their own business. Who's willing to change their direction. Who's willing to pick up the cross. follow me I've been affiliated with this church over 50 years time to stop playing games I tell folk all the time I used to wrestle I was on a Christian roller coaster trying to legislate righteousness trying to study my Sabbath school lesson trying to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation thinking as Jesus says in them that I can find eternal life but he said they are they that testify me you better find me I'm telling you something the fountain of youth the fountain of wealth the fountain of happiness is found in service service to God God said if you seek first the kingdom if you hold up the light I'll provide everything else now, I'm gonna get real with you right now I'm gonna get real with you right now somebody know that you haven't been serving God by holding up his light you know that you haven't given up your own business. You know that you haven't changed your direction. And you certainly haven't picked up the cross and willing to follow him. I want you to pray with me right now. I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray with me right now. Father God, somebody, you've already told me, somebody, needs to come to you today 
Somebody needs to rededicate. Somebody needs to give their life to you for the first time. Wholeheartedly. I'm not talking about half-heartedness. Somebody needs to give themselves to you. Because you need somebody in Las Vegas. You need somebody right here and right now. Because there are people who are lost. Who need to see the light. Because you have promised that if you be lifted up, you will. Not you might. You will draw men unto you. So in the name of Jesus, I call them right now. Who are you? Get up. Come down here to the front and stand with me. Somebody needs to come now. Giving your life 100% to Jesus. Whether you've given it 20, whether you haven't given it at all, you need to come right now. Somebody needs to get up. Praise God, my sister. Keep praying, church. Keep praying. Keep praying. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. Somebody needs to come right now and say, Lord, here I am. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else needs to come right now. Jesus needs somebody to hold up the light right now. Will that be you? You're praying, church. Let me tell you something. I don't care if your name on the roll. I don't care nothing about that. I don't care if you hold an office. You still can be lost. You know whether or not God is talking to you right now. You know whether he's talking to you right now. You know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. And God is calling you right now. He's willing to give you a brand new beginning right now. If you just come. You're praying. You're coming. Just come. All you got to do, if you stand up, we'll come get you. The pastor or I will come get you. All you got to do is stand up. Say, Lord, I'm willing. I, I, I've heard your voice today. I know you need me. I know you need me today. I'm not going to take long. I'm not going to take long. I know you need me today. Somebody else needs to come right now. This is your opportunity. Praise God. Praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise him right now. Praise him right now. This is your opportunity right now. God is calling you right now. God is calling you right now. Somebody else needs to come. Praise him. Praise him, my brother. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Let me tell you something. I wish I had time to tell you my testimony. I wish I had time to tell you. Always wanted to be a temptation. Wanted to, to be in the spotlight. Wanted to live it up. And it's funny how when I finally turned my life over to God, he took me to all those places as his servant. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. But you got to trust him. You got to trust him. Last call. This is last call. This is your opportunity. Let me tell you something. God didn't bring you here by circumstance. You're here by providence. It was for you and me to meet on this road to talk about Jesus today. And somebody else sitting out there, I know you. I know you sitting out there. And the devil's telling you every reason why you shouldn't get up out of your seat. If you're hearing him telling you, then you know that you're the one who needs to get up. This is my last call. This is my last call. Somebody else needs to come right now. Will you come, sweetie? Okay. Can we get Pastor, Pastor Banner? Can we? Okay. All you got to do is raise your hand. We'll, we'll get somebody to you. Last call. Last call. There's a hand in the back. Pastor Banner, somebody, can we get... Last call. 
Jesus needs you. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your educational background. It doesn't matter if people consider you to be nothing. Jesus considers you to be somebody. And he'll use you. I promise you he will. And he'll ride you in the high places. Last call. Is there somebody else? Is there someone else? Last call. Last call. Let's pray one more time. Father God, thank you for these precious, precious, precious souls who have heard your voice and are willing to surrender their lives to you. And Lord, I know that every word that I've spoken concerning you is the truth. Make it a reality to them. Let them know that you will never leave them nor forsake them. Let them know that you will ride them in the high places of the earth. Let them know that you will take them and you will mold them and make them into creatures that they themselves will even marvel at. And I thank you, Lord, because you definitely need somebody in Las Vegas who's willing to give up their business, change their direction, pick up the cross and follow you. And I'm thankful that they have heard the call and have stated, here am I, send me. So in Jesus' name, anoint them, each one of them today with your mercy and your grace, we pray. Amen.